Well, amen. You got a Bible with you? Say yes. That was four of you. You got a Bible? Say yes. And uh, let me invite you to open it with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. If you're visiting with us, we've been going verse by verse through this Gospel and find ourselves in Luke's chapter 11, verse 14 through 28 as our text this morning. And I uh, had the opportunity yesterday to see the commercial several times uh, as I was watching some basketball games, the five-hour energy commercial. Have y'all seen this one? And uh, I've had about three or four people ask me if I've taken some of that this morning. And the answer is, yes, three of them. I'm just kidding. I have not. But anyway, uh, we're excited about what the Lord's doing here. So Luke chapter 11, verse 14 is where we'll start. So stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. You got it there in front of you. Say Amen. And y'all going to have to be with me now. I'm going to preach this morning. So Luke 11, verse 14. The Bible says, And Jesus was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all of his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. And when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And he said, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Let's bow together. Father, this is your word this morning, and we've gathered together to hear from heaven. So I pray even now that you would soften our hearts Give us the ability to receive the word of God, not just be hearers of it, but also to be doers of it. I pray in the name of Christ that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, that you would uh, set my tongue free, that it might preach what you desire. And Father, I pray if there's anything that needs to be said that I hadn't thought of, that you'd bring it to mind. Anything that I don't need to say, Lord, burn it up from my memory so that I won't even bring it uh, about. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would draw people to salvation this morning who do not know you. I also pray that your hand will be upon our church body as we continue to experience some changes and some uh, differences. But God, that you would equip us and empower us to make disciples everywhere. That is the mission. And God, we thank you for that mission. Now again, speak to our hearts and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. And you can be seated. Well, Donald Gray Barnhouse was a phenomenal preacher. He passed away, however, in 1960. But he described what we read about in Luke chapter 11 as an invisible war. Without a doubt, the Bible elevates a spiritual clash between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, which is not perceived by the physical eye. 
The foundation of this war upon the earth erupted soon after God spoke the world into existence. You know, the Bible teaches that Satan seized the throne of creation when he enticed Adam and Eve to believe in him instead of God. Adam and Eve gave dominion of the earth to Satan in exchange for a bite of the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve lost the authority which had been given to them by God the Father, and subsequently they gave that authority over to the devil. Sin invaded the earth in rapid fashion, bringing with it the vile scent of destruction and death. Adam did not have dominion over the earth, sin, or death. He now was subject to the wrath of God because of his rebellion. And since the days of Adam, all of humanity is born now in subjection to the authority of darkness and death. Adam serves as a representative of humanity. As Paul the Apostle writes, all who are in Adam die. One commentator puts it this way. As a result of Adam's sin, quote, now we suffer disasters, diseases, death, and decay. Now we live in a world ordered chaos, selfishness, violence, and fear. Jesus came to change all of that. But Satan will not give up without a fight to the bitter end. Consequently, we live in a combat zone. You know, the kingdom of darkness is ruled by none other than Satan himself. In John's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 31, he, he is described as the ruler of this world system. His strategy is to deceive men and women, boys and girls, and victoriously roar over them when they die without faith in the one true and living God. While he's currently given limited power to work upon the earth, his final destination is actually going to be hell, the lake of fire, where he along with all the other demonic spirits and those who are outside of faith in Jesus Christ will experience eternal torment and punishment. He is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness. On the other hand, the kingdom of light is actually ruled by Almighty God. His strategy is to redeem sinners, bringing them back into a right relationship with him. As well, he will ultimately create a new heaven and a new earth in which all of us uh, who are of the faith will experience eternal joy with him. Now, raising above us, and outside the capabilities of our own personal vision is a battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. How many of you agree that there is indeed a spiritual war that is occurring all around us? Would you agree with that? Say yes. Or raise your hand. God bless you. You know, our text this morning actually peels back the curtain of history, revealing for us a couple of truths about this great spiritual battle that is waged. So I'm going to give you these truths this morning. So here's the very first one. The kingdom of darkness is no match for the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness is no match for the kingdom of light. So let's see where we discover that truth. Notice verse 14 in your Bible. As he was casting out a demon, it was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. And you see that last little phrase there, the crowds were amazed. That is an understatement, by the way. If you and I knew this man who had been possessed by a demon and he was unable to speak, and now all of a sudden Jesus shows up, drives the demon away, and this dude's talking, all of us would not only be amazed, we'd be talking about what God had just done. Y'all agree with this? Say yes. And so Luke here is more like 
more or less basically just saying, hey, all the crowds were amazed. And the reason he probably didn't spend that much time speaking specifically about how this all went down is because Luke has already in his gospel described how Jesus has cast out demons. But what Luke wants to do is bring to our attention what is actually taking place in this text of Scripture. And he's going to elevate those who are naysayers of what Jesus is doing. So notice verse 15 in your Bible. But some of them said, uh, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Now here's the statement I want to give you. And I want you to listen close. When the Lord is at work, there is always opposition to his work. When God is at work, there is always opposition to his work. That is true throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The children of Israel in the Old Testament were led by God out of Babylonian captivity, and they began to rebuild the temple of the Lord. It was an awesome feat, and they were working all together until all of a sudden some individuals showed up to the walls that they were rebuilding in Jerusalem, and those individuals began to rag the workers out to put them down and to tell them that they should give up on what they are doing because the glory of that temple will never match the glory of Solomon's temple. And so they were being discouraged. God was working among his people, and yet the enemy was opposing the work. Happened in the Old Testament several times. It also happens in the New Testament. The New Testament church is growing rapidly in the book of Acts. And you'll find as the gospel is being preached that many people are coming to salvation. The first message that was ever preached 10 minutes long, 3,000 people got saved. Amen? However, the gospel continuing to reach people, and then opposition came about. There was great persecution against those who were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden you have an influx of false teachers who were declaring a different gospel than the gospel which was received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle writes in the book of Galatians chapter 1 and says that if anyone, even an angel, should share with you a gospel that is different than the one we have received from Christ, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. Let him be damned to hell, which is a very, very strong statement. You agree? The enemy works when God is also working. That is where the battle occurs. So it happens in the Old Testament, it happens in the New Testament, but I also know that it happens in your homes, my home. God is in the context of drawing families together. God is in the context of molding marriages that they might be a representative of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. That the love a husband and wife show one another would portray the love that Jesus Christ has for the church and the church for Jesus. And so the Lord is working on marriages, but at the same time the enemy is trying to drive a wedge in marriages. And so the enemy will come in and try to get a married couple to begin bickering at one another, hollering at one another, and becoming ill at one another. And so the enemy is working against and against and against that marriage. But also know the Lord uh, works in the context of, of the church. Right here at Concord Baptist, God is at work. Would you agree with that? Say amen. But also know that when God is at work, the devil goes to work as well. So we've got to be very cognitive of the reality that there is a spiritual battle being waged over the souls of humanity and over the lives of churches. And so the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy what God is doing. 
And so the enemy will work overtime trying to get you and I to focus on things that do not matter. The enemy will try to get you and I to focus on something other than making disciples everywhere. You know, one uh, particular person said it in the past. I can't remember his name, but it's a good statement. He encouraged the church to make sure that they kept the main thing the main thing. So the main thing is that Jesus died for sinners, was buried and resurrected, and if a person will repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ, they can be saved. That is the main thing. And we as a church must remain steadfastly devoted to sharing that main thing to those who are going into a Christless eternity before it is too late. So that is our call. Are y'all down with that? Say yes. I'm going to preach whether y'all want me to or not. Y'all all right? You say, it's 930. I already preached this once. It'll get better every service. 11 o'clock, it might be a good sermon. But the enemy is working. Now, this is what's wild here about what happens in this text of Scripture. The Lord is working. The enemy is working as well. Not so much just in the demon possession, but also in the naysayers. Look at verse 15. Some of them says, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. So here in this text of Scripture, we see that they said he cast out demons by Beelzebul. Who in the world is Beelzebul? Well, that's a reference given to the devil, which literally translated, you'll like this, it means Lord of the dung flies. Y'all all right? I knew nothing of dung flies till I moved up to northeast Georgia. Now I know more than I want to know about dung flies. But anyway, so that is the idea. That's the imagery given for Satan, for Beelzebul. So they were charging Jesus, and listen to what they're doing. They're charging Jesus as actually working under the authority of the devil himself, which is a strong statement. Verse 16, others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. Now, the word here for test uh, literally means to put him under a microscope, to examine him. And so the people were basically just like that. They're like, all right, Jesus, I'll tell you what, we're watching now. Prove that you're from heaven. Give us a sign. But Jesus would not give them a sign. Why would he, by the way? He had just done a miracle right in front of their face, and they all said, you're doing that because you're under the influence of the devil. So if Jesus did another miracle, why would they come to a different conclusion? So Jesus does not give them another sign. In fact, notice verse 17. He knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. Love verse 17. I always think of verse 17 when I see those cars on the street and trucks who have the tags on the front of them, and over the tag it says, A house divided. Have y'all seen these? And on one side of it, I have the Georgia Bulldogs, and on the other side of it, I have Georgia Tech, which makes no sense whatsoever. Some of them have Alabama, some of them have Auburn. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Every single time I see one of those signs, a house divided, I always think of this text of Scripture. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. And Jesus, what he's doing in this text is showing the absurdity of their comments about him defeating darkness by the power of darkness. The bottom line is that a kingdom that fights against itself is always going to be a fallen kingdom. Which I didn't think about this in the early service, so this is just for free. But if you have been born again, you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes you as a children, as a child of the light. So you are actually in the light. 
But if you are in the light and you are holding on to some darkness, you are fighting against yourself. And you will fall. So we encourage you. Notice verse 18. And I love what Jesus says here. He says, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. Now, Warren Wiersbe states concerning this verse, quote, the charges of the people were self-incriminating. By what power were the Jews casting out demons? How do their works differ from the work of Christ? You know, this would have been an opportunity where Jesus literally silenced all the naysayers. And then Jesus really uh, kicks it up a notch in verse 20. Look at your Bible again. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now here, the miracle of Jesus is actually authenticating the fact that he is from God and that he is a member of the kingdom of light. As well, since he was right there in front of all of them displaying authority over the darkness, they better recognize his authority. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Which, by the way, I love the, uh, the text there, and somebody kind of brought it to my mind after the first service. The Bible says that he cast out demons by the finger of God. So think about that for just a moment. It only takes the finger of God to do away with the devil. Just a finger. And so Jesus, as the finger of God, is flicking this devil out of this individual's life. But if this is true, Jesus says the kingdom of God has come upon you. It means to arrive. Jesus is like the rule and the reign of God has arrived and it is right up in front of your face. So what he is doing here in this text is he's saying, if I have cast them out by the finger of God, then you better submit to the authority of the kingdom of light. It's getting in their face a little bit, to say the least. But in this text of Scripture, and we'll see throughout Luke's gospel, that they rebelled against the truth. In fact, we could use that New Testament term that they suppressed the truth. That is, they pushed it away. They pushed it down so that they did not realize, recognize, and submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches in the Gospels that eventually they so denied Jesus Christ as Messiah sent from God that God himself gave them over to their own sinful lifestyle and they never came to know the Lord. This is true as well in Romans chapter 1 and 2 where the Bible says that God has made it very plain for every individual to know that he exists. Now listen closely. God through creation has declared that he exists. You have that right in front of your face as a recognition that there is a creator. You also have a conscience which bears witness to the reality that you are a sinner. You know right from wrong because your conscience bears witness to that which is right and that which is wrong. You also have heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Christ came into the world to redeem the world from their sin. Dying is our substitute, buried, resurrected, King of kings, Lord of lords. You have the New Testament church, which is declaring the gospel. And you may be in here this morning. And you have creation, conscience, Christ, and the church all in your face declaring the authority of the Son of God. But if you reject him, if you continue to say, I want nothing to do with God, if you continue to say, I have no desire for Jesus, I don't believe in him, and you suppress the truth, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and 2 that you can be handed over to your depraved mind. 
All to a point where your heart becoming so hard, God says, if that's what you want, you can have it. And then when you breathe your last breath, you will spend eternity in hell separated from God. Are y'all encouraged this morning? The kingdom of God is right in their face, and they continue to suppress the truth. Notice verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house... His possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all of his armor on what he had relied and distributes his plunder. Jesus is here depicting Satan as a strong man who is guarding and protecting his own possessions. In this case, the possession would have been uh, the individual who was possessed by a devil in verse 14. The demon possessed that person and was under the direct control of the devil. No one could do anything because no one there had the strength or the authority to do anything. But the Bible says, and I love how Jesus says it. He says, however, when someone stronger attacks. Are y'all listening? Say yes. When someone stronger attacks. That's what Jesus did. He was the someone stronger who drove out the demon. The king of the kingdom of light attacked and overpowered the work of the enemy of darkness, and the demon fled. In other words, there was a stronger individual. This was also foreshadowing what Jesus Christ had ultimately come to do here on the earth. He came to destroy the works of the devil altogether. The Bible says, John writing in 1 John 3 and 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. This literally means that Jesus Christ came to rob the devil of his power. The devil has used the power of sin, darkness, and the fear of death to disrupt individuals, marriages, families, congregations. However, the Lord Jesus Christ invaded the devil's playground here on the earth, and he went to the cross to put an end to the power of sin, darkness, and death over our lives. Paul writes in Colossians 2 and 15 that Jesus has disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, having triumphed over them through the cross. Jesus on the cross at Calvary defeated the authority of the devil. He disarmed him, took away his power, marched him across, however this looks, I don't even know, but he marches him across us so that you and I can see the devil has a loud roar, but he ain't got no teeth. His power's been stripped by Jesus on the cross. Kingdom of darkness, no match for the kingdom of light. And this is what's awesome, too. What the first Adam gave up, which was authority, he gave it over to the devil. The Bible teaches Jesus, the second Adam, came to regain the authority that Adam gave away. And when you and I place our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus subsequently shares that authority with you and I. So you and I now have the authority of the kingdom of light, which is greater than the authority of the darkness. So we can walk in victory. <laughs> Are y'all listening to the preacher? You ought to be fired up about that. Because Christ resides within you, you have authority over the power of sin. And we can walk in that victory. But you know, some of you this morning have come together 
And in the building, I've talked with several marriages as well this week. But you've got a marriage that's all messed up, husband and wife going at it with one another. You're overcome by the power of the enemy. What should your uh, encouragement be this morning? Here it is, husband and wife get together and call out on the Lord. And when you call out on the Lord, you will discover that there is someone much stronger than the enemy. And he can bring resolution, redemption, restoration, even to a broken marriage. God can do that. Some of you perhaps are in the context of the workplace and you have a boss that is very difficult to follow. Maybe he's demanding. Maybe he's leading in a way that you think, ah, we should probably go in a different direction. Well, the enemy is working overtime trying to build a wedge between you and the authority over you. So what do you do to make sure you're still a witness in the workplace? You call on Christ to empower you to submit even to the authority of your boss so that the gospel might not be maligned, but Christ would be elevated in that place. Anybody can submit to a boss who's a great boss. It takes a genuine man or woman walking with the Lord to submit to a boss who is difficult. That's in the Bible, too. I didn't even make that up. Y'all listening? Peter said that. So let me give you another truth from this text. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. Here we go. Truth number two. You better make sure you're fighting for the right side. No one is neutral when it comes to the fight between darkness and light. Notice with me verse 23 in your Bible. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus is like, if you aren't walking in the light with me, then you're walking in the darkness against me. He's describing specifically the people who were criticizing him and realizing that they were actually fighting against God. They were denying the work of the Lord. And very simply put, if you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are a member of the kingdom of darkness. You're actually living a life in direct opposition to the kingdom of the universe. There's only two kingdoms, light and darkness. If you don't know Christ, you're in the dark. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, admitted that you're a sinner, seen him as the one who died in your place on the cross at Calvary, and you embraced him for the forgiveness of your sin, then you will experience heaven with him for all of eternity. However, if you deny him, you will go to the same place that the devil and the angels had created for them by God, which is hell. You say, well, good night. That's some hellfire and brimstone preaching. Yes, it is. Y'all all right with that? Jesus would not be invited to a lot of pulpits. Talked about hell too much. Talked about light, talked about darkness too much. And the reason a lot of people aren't being saved is because a lot of people ain't warning them that there's wrath coming, man. He says, if you aren't with me, you're against me. And very simply put, this morning, if you do not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus, you're a member of the kingdom of darkness, living in opposition. If you're not here this morning submitted to the person of Jesus Christ man this message is pleading for you to repent and be saved now some people come to church and they're like I'm not that bad of a person well here's some news for you being a member of God's kingdom of light is more than behavioral reform it's more than behavioral reform having a new life in Christ is not about reformed behavior it is about a transformed life Jesus taught it in verse 24 check this verse out 
When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes, uh, becomes worse than the first. And here's what Jesus is teaching. Listen closely. There are some people who are possessed by a devil. And sometimes the devil on his own volition chooses to leave or that devil is driven out by the authority of the kingdom of light. The person who no longer has the devil may actually do a little better for a while. Uh, they're well kept. They may look nice. There's a change in their behavior. However, if that devil comes back and he looks at that individual and sees that the Holy Spirit has not taken up residence in their souls then that demon will go back and find seven more spirits more evil than itself, and they will move in. Y'all out there? There was a demon in the Old Testament where Jesus says, or in the New Testament where Jesus says, uh, what is your name? And the Bible says that he spouted out legion, for we are many. The word legion has often been referred to about a thousand. So you got to consider the state of a man who has a thousand demons residing on the inside of him. At one point in time, it was just one demon. He left, brought seven more, and it continues to multiply over and over and over again until they're worse off. And listen, you may be coming to the church at Concord and not knowing it, but you had a devil in you when you came. And maybe the prayers or the praise or the word of God caused that devil to leave your body and you think you're, you're doing a little bit better. So you think to yourself, I you know, have just improved my behavior. Man, I enjoy going to church down there. Somebody's like, have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? And your response is, I don't know, but I know I quit acting like this or that. I, I know I feel better about myself. Listen closely. The devil that rolled out of you will come back. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, then you better believe there's coming a time when he's going to bring some more demons and move right in. And you're going to be worse off in the future than you have ever been before you ever came to church. Becoming a member of God's kingdom is more than behavior reform. Coming to Christ is a personal transformation that happens on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you are in the darkness and actually stand in opposition against the Lord Jesus Christ. That also add to the believer. While you can't, as a believer, be possessed by an evil spirit because the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, your actions and attitudes can reflect the darkness. That is, you're not seeking to bring restoration to your family, then you are a scatterer working against Christ. If you're a husband or, or a wife and you're not seeking to bring unity to the marriage, then know this, you are working against Christ himself. You are a scatterer. If you're not seeking to bring unity to the body of Christ, you're a scatterer working against the Lord Jesus. So, warning for all of us, we better make sure we're fighting for the right kingdom. Becoming a member of God's kingdom is more than just behavioral reform. Secondly, I will note, becoming a member of God's kingdom is more than being able to say the right thing. Look at verse 27, and get to go quickly here. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. So somebody in the crowd yelled out a blessing for Jesus' mother. Uh, he would almost be like, well, she must be in the light. Good night. She's blessing Jesus' mother. 
But then Jesus responds, and he's like, no, no, no. On the contrary, verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and actually observe it. Do what it says. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, taught throughout uh, the scripture that just because you look prim and proper and you say the right things does not mean you're a member of the kingdom of light. So everybody look at me eyeball to eyeball and let me warn you this morning about what Jesus says. Jesus says in the gospel of Matthew and chapter 7 that there will be many who call him Lord, Lord, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want you to consider that for just a moment. Are y'all listening? Say yes. You went to church all of your life. You said the right things. You did the right things. But you never genuinely gave your heart to Jesus. And then one day you breathe your last breath. And you stand before God, who is your eternal judge. And God says, depart from me, I never knew you. You are a doer of iniquity. And you say, well, wait a minute. I went to church every Sunday. Oh, wait just a minute. I called you Lord. We used to sing songs where I would lift you up and name you as Lord. And Jesus has already warned us. A lot of people are going to say that. But they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So look at the preacher, and I'm trying to be nice, but I'm going to be real strict about it. Y'all listen and say yes. Just because you're sitting in a pew this morning does not mean you're going to be sitting in heaven for eternity. The question is, has your life been transformed by the Son of God, Jesus Christ? If there's a no to that answer, if there's a I'm not sure to that answer, you better get sure. God, by his grace this morning, has still, listen, still has the door open for salvation. You can still be saved, but you've got to come to him by faith. And what the Bible teaches is that God, and I love it, it's over in Colossians, but he teaches that God will transfer you from the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light. Some of you need that this morning. God, by his grace, is right now knocking on the door of your heart, wanting to take you out of darkness, put you in the light on the right side. Why would you reject him? Continue to push the truth away. And I've already warned you, uh, these Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, these Jews in Luke, Matthew, and Mark, they rejected Jesus to the point where they ultimately themselves were rejected by Jesus. And some of you are still rejected. Even while I'm preaching, you're trying hard not to listen. Even while I'm preaching, ah, that boy, he's crazy. He's talking too much. He's trying to scare everybody. Maybe I am. Y'all all right? You ought to be scared. Somebody talks about hell. You ought to unnerve you to realize that there's a lot of people who call Jesus Lord who'll go to hell when they die. So John the Baptist said when they came to be baptized, what you coming down here to be baptized for? Who warned you to flee from God's wrath? So what I'm trying to say to you this morning is, listen, I'm not asking you, do you go to church? Do you go to Sunday school? Have you been baptized? I'm asking you, have you come into a personal relationship with Christ? If you have not, get ready, man. The wrath of God is coming for you. But you can be saved this morning. God's grace is sufficient. There is someone stronger. Bow to him. Let's have our heads bowed. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts even now.